Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the program Steve Rates, who's Director of Research and Market Intelligence at C.H. Robinson. And today we're going to talk about four pillars to a successful transportation experience. Now, we all know that transportation is a highly cyclical and dynamic market, you know, with rates and capacity and demand, you know, changing over time. And, you know, you can either be um, you know, reactive and think and act, you know, in the short term, or you can, you know, put together a framework and a foundation to be successful in, in any environment over the long term. Uh, so what are the, you know, the key elements of that framework and that foundation to enable long-term success? Well, that's the key question that we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Steve, you know, back in the program to share his advice and insights on, on this topic based on the research that he's done and his work with clients in, in this area. So, uh, Steve, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Happy to be back. So, uh, Steve, uh, you know, it's been a while since you've been on the program. Um, so, welcome back. Um, and before we dive into the topic, I mean, tell us briefly, you know, about your role and responsibilities there at C.H. Robinson. I mean, what, what type of research do you focus on and how do you execute it and ultimately why? Sure, sure. Thanks. Yeah, the, the work that, if you think of my role at C.H. Robinson, when we say research and market intelligence, it's really understanding what are the dynamics in the marketplace today that are influencing and shaping transportation broadly. Those things that are both disruptive and also very evolutionary in terms of getting how, how transportation can really create value across the supply chain driving real business outcomes. And so we, we do primary and secondary research um, and uh, the primary research thus far has been uh, really in the truckload space, a little bit in the LTL space, where we're using data to really correlate strategies and attributes of freight to outcomes so that we can really understand despite the economic cycles or the freight cycles, what are those things that we know are strongly correlated to success? Yeah, no, that, that, that's great. I mean, certainly that's, that's the role that, you know, industry analysts play, right? Um, you know, trying to kind of keep a pulse on what's happening in the market and try to understand, you know, what are, the, what are those factors that lead, you know, lead to success? And I, I always, uh, you know, tip my hat to organizations, whether they're shippers, you know, manufacturers, retailers that have internal research organizations, as well as, you know, logistics service providers to do the same, because I think it is, uh, you know, a critical aspect to really gather that data, that intelligence, not only for your own internal operations, obviously, but to be able to then provide that as a value add, you know, to your clients. Yeah, that's exactly it is, is don't, transportation, you know, especially now in a somewhat tight market that we're, you know, going through this cycle, you don't have to necessarily be victim to the market. I think everybody's going to feel the market shift in the tension, but I think the idea is with the right strategies, you can influence how you feel that market. And I think that the things we're going to talk about is what we've seen working with shippers to get, quite frankly, the best out of any market. And very often as we talk about this, this is when you say best, it's not about leveraging um, a position on a supplier community. It, it is truly creating value for the entire portfolio of participants, the, the asset suppliers, um, brokerage as us in the middle as example or not in the middle, depending on what your strategies are, and then ultimately the shipper as well and their end customer. So it's, if, if you're looking for sustainable uh, performance, predictable costs, um, these are the things that what we're going to talk about that we think help with that, regardless of the cycle. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that, that um, ultimate goal of trying to 
you know, be collaborative and, and kind of take a win-win, you know, approach is ultimately yeah. the best, you know, foundation there versus the, well, hey, the market, the pendulum's on my side. So, you know, it's like I win, you lose. And then you know that the pendulum's going to swing the other way ultimately. And and people remember on the other side how you treated them. So yeah. that that's always comes, comes back around to, uh, to haunt you. Um, you know, so one area that you've researched is obviously, you know, what it takes to create and maintain a successful, you know, transportation experience. And, and you've defined, you know, four pillars. Uh, so, so let's discuss, you know, each of those uh, pillars, starting with, you know, portfolio strategy. Yeah. What does that mean? And, you know, why is it important? Yeah. So a portfolio strategy, really what it starts with, first of all, is understanding that a business usually has more than one supply chain. At minimum, most businesses have two, an inbound and an outbound. And seldom, really, do they need the same transportation strategy. You've got different uh, different drivers to dem- demand signals, different opportunities for consolidation or not. You've got reorder behaviors that are driven by customers or your own internal people, different geographies. And so you have to look at those. And even within one of those two supply chains, let's say like your outbound finished goods supply chain, you might have regional demands, cyclical demands, uh, uh, certain product line demands and and looking at those various elements of supply chain to say the attributes of this segment of the supply chain look like this and the attributes of the other uh, segment looks like this and then align those segments and those demands that are being placed on transportation with the right service provider communities and a service provider community means both asset non-asset based large service providers to small service providers In today's marketplace, across the portfolio of modes, the service provider community has moved to new levels of sophistication and interest of what creates value for them. So if we go to one thing that's today's hottest part of the market, of course, is truckload as we're going through this significant shift, right? Understand that carriers today are far more sophisticated than they were even five, 10 years ago, using yield management software, optimizing to the driver and to the weak. Right? So the drivers get the miles out of the week they need for compensation, get home when they want, and carriers are looking to, to build that yield return out of their fleet. And some freight is not attractive to some carriers, but it's attractive to others. Some's attractive to large carriers, and some's attractive to the smaller carriers. So how do you segment your business and go at the service provider community so that it aligns with the demands you're placing on transportation? That's really what the first pillar is about, is all of that work to understand what your supply chain asks of transportation and the portfolio of service providers you have available to respond to it. Yeah, no, that's a, that, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you see, uh, you know, over, over the years, I've seen situations where, you know, you've got, you know, two business, two different business units or even product groups that are using the same carriers, but they have separate contracts with those carriers as an example. Yeah. Um, so they're not even looking at it, you know, holistically you right. know, from, from that standpoint. And even when you talk about, you know, portfolio uh, approach, I mean, I, I've, I've seen others really think about the modes that they use in a more holistic manner. Right. So in terms of saying, oh, I'm only going to think about ocean, or I'm only going to think about parcel. Right. I'm only going to think about LTL and I'm only going to think truck truckload. It's really taking a step back. And I think to your point, it's really understanding what are the needs of the supply, the end-to-end supply chain, the, the, the full needs from how to get product from the origin to final destination and kind of approaching it more holistically because it might be a combination of different modes that might be the best right. fit for that, That's right. right? That's absolutely right. You're right. And, and you'd be surprised that some of the things that are happening in one mode might be attractive in another. Uh, you you talk, Like Ocean, you were talking about. I've sat with clients who simply said, um, 
I want to use the, the asset carriers directly for this percentage of my business, but this other area over here, I really don't want to manage. So I want to use an NVOCC, right? So build a, build a strategy using a portfolio of the smaller carriers that helps meet my needs. So, so this is part of the idea is, is understanding those different pieces of your business and how do you get the most out of the, this very big marketplace of service providers that are out there. And again, especially in truckload, because it is so diverse with, you know, well over a couple hundred thousand for hire carriers. You really need some strategy to go at that. Right. No, absolutely. And so kind of that, that builds on to the kind of the second pillar, which is speaking of strategy is, you know, transportation strategies. I mean, there are many, as we just talked about, I mean, there are many transportation strategies that, that, you know, companies can take. Um, but, you know, what might you know, what insights come from your research in terms of, uh, of kind of what goes into thinking which one's the right one for your company? And are you seeing more companies, for example, taking a transportation as a competitive weapon type of strategy? Yeah, well, I think I like how you phrase that because transportation in the end oftentimes is the final mile to the end customer as well. So when you say a competitive weapon, it is a way to think about it. One of the things that we're finding when we talk about the strategy, this really gets into some of the research we've done, where we look at the attributes of freight and the strategies that a shipper community can employ to really get the most of the market. So in that first pillar, once you've decided how to segment your supply chain and who you want to work with, now it's how do you go to market with your freight? How do you describe it to, to get, quite frankly, take advantage of what you do well in the, in the service provider community, because you'll get reward for that. And then the stuff that really maybe makes your freight less than attractive, or, or it's a sub-segment of your freight, at least being upfront with your service provider community so you don't have un, unplanned disruptions or costs. And so some of the things that we've studied that ladder up into this, that describe the freight and how you go to market with your freight is lead time. How much lead time do you give to a service provider before it is required to pick up? It matters as carriers, especially, and I'll default to truckload conversation today just because this is where the market is really tense at the moment. A lot of shippers are worried about their budgets, you know, not being uh, satisfied today, is carriers are planning loads in advance, multiple legs. As I said, planning a week ahead if they can. So the more lead time you give, the more likely you will have that the service provider will accept that tender and do it at the price you want it versus reject the tender and you have to go to the next most expensive carrier or, or broker, right? So lead time matters. Dwell time, we've studied that. How, especially in your live load environment, how long do you take to load or unload a truck? We've seen that there's a direct correlation to tender acceptance of shipments and price and ultimately the price you pay with dwell time. That The service provider community is taking a look at those non-revenue generating hours and minutes and saying, this is a less attractive piece of freight than another shipper. Very regional sensitive, by the way. If you're in an oversupplied market, you have a little more latitude on dwell time. If you're in an undersupplied market, you'll probably see your, your route guide underperform. Um, we also see um, smoothness of demand show up in a lot of our research. So as, as the carrier community is trying to be very thoughtful about planning these multi-legged runs over the course of a week, knowing that freight is coming at them, even before it's tendered, is directly correlated to tender acceptance again. And, and what we see, and I should say in all of this research, is a key driver to missing a freight budget if you're a shipper is the, the service provider you tendered the shipment to if they decline the tender and you have to go to the next 
carrier and the route guide as example or broker, that's where you get start to spend more money. Um, so you're trying to minimize that. So smooth demand is very important. Uh, and what there's strategies like aggregating volume lanes together into a common corridor that could help there. Um, so we talk about lead time, we talk about dwell time, we talk about um, smooth demand. Another one that we see is how old pricing is. We've seen a direct correlation to fresh pricing and the performance of the route guide versus old pricing. About a year is what the marketplace seems to tolerate for fresh pricing. You start to see rejection of tenders go up and you start to see substitution of your route guide as, as pricing ages. Um, so those are probably some of the top things. If you're doing multi-stop loads, how you describe those to the marketplace, there are in fact best strategies around multi-stop loads. Uh, clustered deliveries in a tight market do better than multi-stops across you know, a long distance. It gets down to again, effective use of the fleet, risk of disruption, things of that nature. So those are the kind of things that we've been studying that really do seem to matter in the performance of route guide. And they seem to, because we try to control for economic cycles in the research, regardless of the, the cycle we're in, up or down, uh, you get better performance if you're managing to those things and they're, they're well, um, they're well uh, displayed to the customer or the carrier, I mean. You know, it, it sounds like, you know, one of the common threads among all the things that you, you just said there or a critical attribute is, you know, the importance of ongoing communication and collaboration and, and yeah. transparency of what's going on. Because what, what ultimately happens, I think, in a lot of cases, what I see is, you know, you do the procurement engagement, right, where you share with the carrier, okay, this is what I, well, this is my forecast, if you will, of what I expect to do on this lane, you know, uh, how many truckloads I'm going to need, so on and so forth. But, you know, obviously, you know, over the course of time, that all changes, right? Your demand may right. go significantly up right. or significantly down. Um, and one of the things that I know from years ago, there was a lot of talk, but I still haven't seen much, um, you know, success stories in this area, many shippers doing it, is, you know, the ability to share demand forecasts with carriers kind of on a rolling basis to give them as much, you know, lead time, if you will, much visibility in terms of, hey, things are heating up. We expect things to heat up down the road, or we accept we expect things to contract down the road, and that provides the carriers with some you know insight that then they can start adjusting their networks accordingly because now they know that right. they're going to need to you know allocate more uh, volume or more trucks you know to your business, or they say okay we thought we were gonna, you were going to need ten truckloads, but now you're probably only going to need seven. Right now we can readjust that. So do you see that? I mean, as part of, you know, the communication collaboration, trying to do that on a somewhat of a regular cadence? Yeah, we really do. Frankly, um, what we see in the data is even if a, a shipper has a very short lead time, if they've got a strong pattern of smooth demand, right? So that the, the, the service provider community really can predict that tenders are going to come to them. They're, they're planning capacity to be available, right? Because they know the demand is predictable. Even if, even if the tenders are dropped on the service provider same day or day before, which is pretty short lead time, as long as that demand pattern is consistent, it gives the shipper a great deal of flexibility on the tender. Yeah, it's visibility of the history and the confidence that that history will pertain. That's the predominant. If that is not known, then the lead time so that the service provider community can respond to that and build it into their routes is really what needs to happen. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I guess that, that leads us into the kind of the, the third pillar, right? Which is, you know, supply chain collaboration. Again, a topic that 
historically there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk, but not as much walk or enough action in there. I mean, what are, what are the leaders doing, you know, in this area, and, and how do they overcome kind of some of the barriers to collaboration? Yeah, so you raise a really good point, and you and I talked about this uh, when we prepped for this call. It's kind of interesting. Our experiences have been in common. Historically, transportation has been a function that that is uh, responsive to the balance of supply chain to all the other functions. And what's happened, of course, is supply chain has moved up into the executive suite of businesses now. Transportation and logistics operations are joining you know, supply chain broadly in the business strategy. So the best in class, what we're seeing people do is where transportation has a seat at those strategy conversations with the other functions of supply chain and where transportation can explain the relationship between a decision that's made in manufacturing or production or package design or customer service or sales and how it cascades to transportation. And I think what we've found, what you and I were sharing in our previous conversation is we've found situations where assumptions were made about transportation by another function that quite frankly were false or they assumed they need, you need all this extra information before transportation can do something effectively with it and realizing there's a certain amount of information that's needed, but there's a lot of information that isn't to satisfy you know, the rest of the supply chain. And so it's those conversations and that collaboration that makes sure the transportation, quite frankly, delights the rest of the supply chain and the end customer experience. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I you know, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've heard from transportation executives say, you know, we're always the last to know, mm-hmm. right? And then we're expected to be the heroes at the end of the day. And more often than not, we are, but at a cost, right? Or at right. a level of frustration, um, you know, or ultimately sometimes you, you, we can't be the hero, right? And right. the customer ultimately, you know, pays the price or, or you know, we, we fall short on customer satisfaction or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, so I think your, your point is right on. I think I see the same thing from, you know, yeah. from the leaders as well as really bringing transportation in to the table, have them provide their input in terms of some of the decisions that are being made so that, um, you know, it goes back to kind of the balanced scorecard approach, if you will, so that everybody yeah. understands what right. the trade-offs are, what the trade-offs are and that, uh, you know, transportation is not surprised at the 11th hour with them having to find extra capacity or, you know, have to expedite, you know, something in order to, you know, fulfill a promise that was made further upstream. And it might be, you know, now is a better time than ever in the history of this conversation of collaboration and that we as consumers of transportation and goods and such, we have new expectations about immediacy of response, right? And even when we take, uh, we do rideshare type situations or, or taxi cab as example, we're, we're now used to seeing on an, on an app that says there's, there's capacity sitting here and capacity comes and goes with a great deal of elasticity because we're using um, capacity, our personal cars as example, that quite frankly are about 90% unutilized, maybe even more in a lot of situations. But trucking isn't that way. Trucking by most estimates is almost at about 100% utilization today, meaning that really the, the, all the revenue generating miles and hours that can be had are largely being optimized today. And, and you can debate if that's off by, by a few percent or whatever, that's fine, all the analysts can debate that, but in the end, everybody agrees a very high level of utilization. So trucks aren't just sitting around is the point. And the strategy of what transportation is capable of and not capable of is very critical 
you know, in supply chain. And frankly, transportation, even in this highly optimized environment, is very capable. It just requires the collaboration. Yeah, no, that's a great that, that's a great point. And, and that brings us to, to the fourth pillar, which is kind of near and dear to my heart, and that is, you know, TMS, you know, transportation management systems and, and business processes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how does a TMS enable a successful transportation experience from your perspective? Yeah, I, really, from our perspective, what we've seen is that you can't even do the previous three pillars without a TMS. In other words, how do you really manage and view the different segments of your supply chain if you can't actually manage them in a live time frame, do the business analytics on them, and so forth? You can't hold your supplier base accountable for what they've committed to. You can't even measure your internal supply chain and all the participants across the functions because remember there's cascading uh, business processes in the life cycle of an order. And in a TMS, you can see timing of events. You can see data streams, what's missing and what's there. You have all this visibility that comes through the operations and the, the backend business analytics that help you understand how effectively your plan is performing and which elements of that plan are underperforming, and it allows for correction and improvement. Uh, you just simply can't do that without a tool. It's, it, the level of sophistication that is required from a transportation strategy today just makes it impossible to manage all the data inputs, the timing of events, and the variables without really a TMS. Yeah, no, uh, you know, obviously I, I agree. I mean, I've been, you know, looking at the TMS market now for, for over 18 years. And, mm-hmm. and if you look at, you know, what are some of the, the hot areas in TMS today um, and, and what, you know, both users are looking for and, and the vendor community is, is providing, you know, number one, you know, a lot more interest in business intelligence and analytics capabilities, right? To right. do just what you just talked about is to be able to, you know, grab all this data that they've been historically collecting, but how do you how do you derive insights out of that that then can right. lead to you know smarter and faster you know decisions right to keep pace with you know the the realities of the transportation environment uh, and then optimization, which is something that you know historically a lot of companies said you know we'll we'll get to optimization in phase two of our TMS implementation. <laughs> uh, you know they, they put in kind of the automation and the automated yep. tendering and all that and and it's great right to kind of reduce on the manual processing. But now they're recognizing that, hey, you know what, um, this is getting so complex. And now, you know, now we're using partial and we never used partial before, right? right? Now we're much more global, right? So now we're using o- o- ocean and we're using intermodal. Um, so now that they've, it's reached a level of complexity where now they're looking at optimization and some of the technology going on there. And right. of course, you've got some of the sexiness of machine learning and artificial intelligence that's coming on board as well. And, and I think that's where you know, to your point, uh, it is uh, a critical pillar that helps, you know, support the other ones as well. And I think when you talked about the machine learning piece and such, I think this is the dawn of a whole new value proposition. Without the TMS, to your point, if you don't have that as a foundational um, uh, element of your transportation execution and and improvement, you can't even get what is coming next, the predictive analytics, right? And the prescriptive elements that come from that. I know that's where we're spending a lot of time here and working with our clients is that visibility to their global supply chain and predicting where are there gonna be disruptions, predicting where there's opportunities unmet, right? So that it's not just now a reflection, it's real time, to your point, optimization, it's real time, a guidance, as it were, to disruptions, and how do you then, and the recommendations, the prescriptive piece, 
how do you decide what are the alternate routes I can take to mitigate this predicted risk, right? So, so that's really where the future is. And without the TMS and without having your, all your strategies and your processes well documented and orchestrated, it's very difficult to level or leverage that next evolution that we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I, again, if you're running, if you're managing your operations with spreadsheets and clipboards and paper and whiteboards, uh, you're, you're going to, you know, if, if, you, if you're not struggling now, you're definitely going to struggle uh, significantly, you know, moving forward. Uh, so, Steve, we're kind of running short on time here, so I've got okay. just a, a couple of more questions. I mean, so, uh, you know, what new or additional research are, you know, questions are, are you exploring, you know, especially as it relates to, you know, enabling a successful transportation experience? One of the things that we've got going right now is really, we just finished one in the truckload space that we're about to publish, but what are, when you take a look at uh, supplier strategies, what are leader shippers doing versus laggard shippers? Who's getting the best performance? What are the attributes of their, uh, their supplier relationships? So we, the hint of a future paper we have coming out here soon is leaders tend to rationalize their supplier base, so they get to a smaller supplier base, all the suppliers within that rationalized base have a very clear strategy. You can see that in the route guide and how they perform. And, and quite frankly, this sounds a little self-promotional, but we're seeing the, the, uh, the uh, bro use of brokerage as an actual strategy within the portfolio. And part of that goes to you need the breadth of the marketplace of carriers, small and large, and you just it's difficult to manage thousands of relationships. And I think that's what it amounts to is, is how, where do you use the small carrier community effectively? So that's a current one. And then we're doing the same type of thing in the LTL industry. So what are the leader community compared to the lager community, shippers, the performance they get from LTL? What are the attributes and strategies that we see showing up? So that's, a, that's an active project as well. Great, great. Well, definitely look forward to the, the output of that research. I always enjoy uh, kind of getting the, the insights there. Um, so as a way to wrap up, I mean, in, in light of everything that we, we've talked about today, I mean, what steps should companies take to, you know, improve their transportation experience? I mean, where do they begin? And, you know, is there a particular pillar that's, uh, you know, uh, more important than the other or uh, the right starting point? Well, you know, I think if they're not today, if they don't have a whole holistic strategy like we're speaking of, I think there's what you can do right away is take a look at your procurement cycle. How old is your pricing? How frequently you go to market? I would say that's a key one. Fresh pricing matters, especially in a tense market like this. Secondly is anything you can do to smooth out demand. That demand volatility of tenders to the community, that shows up in all of our research probably as a lead attribute to getting your service providers to accept the tenders, the providers you want at the price you want. So then, so maybe, you know, what it comes down to is going through some of those research things. Can you influence dwell? How long it takes you to load or unload a truck? Because that's a business process in your dock you can control, as example. So I think lead time, freshness of pricing, and dwell. These are things you could probably do right away within transportation without having to do some of the broader strategies, maybe. And then work your way into, into some of the other ideas. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, really focusing on those areas that you can have, uh, you have the most control over in many way, in many cases, and, and really have the biggest impact, you know, makes a lot of sense. Well, Steve, you know, as I always say, at the end of all our episodes, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on these <laughs> topics. But I, I think that we, you know, uh, provided some great insight on, you know, these four, you know, pillars and, and provided some, you know, great advice here for, you know, shippers uh, to, you know, take to heart, you know, as, as we move forward here into, into 2018 and, 
you know, what promises to be a very uh, uh, challenging and, uh, you know, exciting, you know, transportation market. So thank you very much for uh, making the time to be with us today. Thanks, Adrian. And uh, thank, uh, thank you to uh, those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the CH Robinson website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Steve, you can post it there, and I'm sure that he'll, he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, Absolutely. thank you all for uh, joining us today. Look forward to seeing the future episodes of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. Thank you.